You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! I'm just going to start and say that Spencer Hogan was a friend of mine. In fact, he was a friend of just about everyone that he met, as far as I could tell. He's one of the funniest and most creative people I've had the pleasure to know. He was funny in a way that uh, wasn't easy. He's one of the people I like to stick in my mental audience when I'm working on shit. He either likes it or he takes a kind of a, a pause. He touched so many beautiful people so very deeply, and I know that he always will. I'll forever be thankful to call him my friend. I'll see you around. Holy hell, it's been three months since I have put out a podcast, which is very surprising because I have been sober for three months. The last episode that I put out with Nick Harris had more feedback than any other episode to date. Uh, it also had more in-person feedback at shows and at grocery stores and all kinds of places where people came up and wanted to share their story, which was fucking cool, honestly. Uh, a lot of people in different parts of my life reached out that I did not expect at all to talk about their relationship with alcohol. For those who you don't know... Uh, I took 90 days off. It's now 112 or 113 days or something like that. I'm just going to keep that train rolling because of how much uh, I'm enjoying my life without drinking alcohol. I wasn't like crashing cars and, and, and like, you know, kicking the dog around or whatever terrible thing that you would associate. But yeah, either way, it's been, it's been fucking awesome. I'm going to have Roger back on. I didn't ask him yet, but I'm hoping that he's going to say yes. And we'll unpack that and talk all about it. Today's guest is Matt Sanders of The Sidekicks. Matt is a fun and loving, beautiful baby boy I've known for over 10 years. Uh, Menzingers have toured and played with The Sidekicks for a goddamn forever, and I think that experiences like that kind of kind of twist you together in a way where you can fit these shapes of these, of these kind of trips and trials and tribulations and shit that we've gone on together. And nobody exemplifies that better than Matt. He's fucking so heartfelt and wonderful and hilarious, and he has such a beautiful laugh listening back doing this. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on, and for without more mumbling, here is Matt Sanders. So we're standing, uh, well actually we're sitting at a German style wooden picnic table, the kind of really thin where we know each other well enough to where we're comfortably close, but if we were strangers it'd be uncomfortably close. Absolutely. Uh, at Very the corner of talking. the bunker bar in Virginia Beach there's um, F-16s or whichever kind of planes flying overhead. Lots of families walking to the beach, catty corner to a McDonald's. A large American flag outside of the bar. Enormous. The bunker bar, they're really nice for these folks to allow us to come out here and sit at the table. It's a military-themed brewery with a demilitarized RPG on top of the, the, the uh, cooler. <laughs> you don't <laughs> see that every day. <laughs> no, you definitely don't. And I made a joke about a demilitarized uh, RPG this morning because one time when uh, my partner Beth Ann and I were hammered, I convinced her to agree to let me get one someday and hang it on the wall. <laughs> Hell yeah. So I think that'd be so fucking funny. And some people have like old rifles and shit. Yeah, You absolutely. just had a rocket launcher on your wall. <laughs> that'd be beautiful. <laughs> that'd be sick. <laughs> Hell yeah. But yeah, man, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Um, Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, I, uh, it was funny. We we met up. We I guess we've toured consistently together for 10 years now. Yeah. And I hadn't seen you for a little bit, but one of my favorite parts about hanging out with you is that as soon as I see you, all of that time that you usually take to like reacquaint yourself with the familiarity of like i don't know can i make these certain jokes or wh- whatever it is right, right it just disappears you uh, you wash that away really quickly yeah i like that cool hell yeah thanks yeah dude, yeah, it's, it's great best. i mean i feel like being having toured together for 10 years which is funny yeah this is like the 10 year anniversary of the first tour that we did yeah. together and uh it's it's great to have like you all just you're like our like our family band basically it's like you're our brothers like you're our you're our family members our extended family of absolutely it's incredible (laughs) and i love how often you guys come through philadelphia and we get to see you uh it's amazing hell yeah so sick but i thought i wanted to tell the story of the time that i you and i drank a case of beer together yes and we wouldn't let anyone else drink it no 
So it was, I don't even remember what year. I should have looked up which year this was. 2010? It was, was, was it the year of the crash? Was it was the year, year of the, the crash, yeah. I got into a car accident with Luther. Okay. I was playing a solo acoustic shows after the fest, and I was touring with my best friends and Luther. And we got into a bad car accident in Chicago, and then I changed a whole bunch of things in my life. And the the version of me that you saw on that tour was the one where I wore a suit every day. Yes. You were like driving around Adam <laughs> McElwee from was, Tiger's Jaw. Yeah, I was driving around the earliest tour incarnation of Wicked Phase, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, with Lee Corey Oswald. Yeah. There was just camping chairs in the back of the van. Yeah. <laughs> and then we came to Columbus. And I had, oh man, I got like $100 for something. I forget okay. what it was. I, but I remember like having a check for 100 bucks and being yeah. like, balling out on this tour. Bought a case of Yingling that we hid in your bedroom and drank yep. only to ourselves yep. at the house show. It was at your house. Totally. Uh, it was amazing. That was like, I look back on that time as just like one of the most fond memories because we're like, it was just this whole plan. First off, I see you approaching the porch in a in a full fucking suit, full like, ta- tailored suit. Tailored yeah, I took suit. it to get tailored like earlier that year. See, you weren't fucking around. No, you were really changing a lot of. things. It was changing a lot of things in my life. I had just ended a long relationship. Yep. Uh, among many other things that I'm not comfortable talking about yet. And then I, sure. I, yeah, I wore a suit every day. Yeah. Wouldn't let anyone else drive, probably because I was afraid I was going to crash again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've had that my own span of that as well. Yeah, uh, totally. Hydroplane in the van once, and I think that really shook me up to yeah, where it man. took years. <laughs> that shit is, that's, uh, definitely get too sidetracked, but I think my least favorite part about touring besides the physical taxation is just the fact that you have to do it in a car and yeah. it's so fucking finicky i think that's one of the things they're gonna look back on us in 50 years and be like i can't believe those idiots drove each other around exactly and constantly died <laughs> yeah most or became maimed yeah, yeah become maimed or just utterly jaded by, yeah. <laughs> by the end of it <laughs> completely just like no fuck this yeah. But yeah i remember walking up to your guy's house which was like a punk house where the show was yeah in a suit and being like this isn't going to go well with the punks. Mm-hmm. I didn't care because it was that kind of night. Yeah, no, they didn't mind. Nah. We just hid the beer in my room. Yeah, they were ended up just laying on my bed and listening to Regina Spector all night. Yeah, it was beautiful. I remember <laughs> crying in tears as I laid on your floor. We just shared that moment. It was it incredible. Was fantastic. <laughs> it was so good. Just look back on that and I was like, man, we really, we really could drink some beers. We really, yeah, you really. And we could held put it back. together. Yeah, you that know? was uh, before we started recording this. We were talking about our hangovers and that, uh, you know, something I've talked about a bunch on this podcast, and they. Yeah. They're hitting hard now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what day are you at, by the way, right now? Oh, yeah. This is 103 or 104 of not drinking. So Hell, yeah. Yeah, and this will be the podcast that comes out after the last one I did where I wasn't drinking. So maybe I'll do like a big sappy intro or something. There we go. I like but, it. But, uh, yeah, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. while, while we're here, while I've got you. Let's do Before it. the next F-16 flies overhead yeah, and, inter- sure. and interrupts us and reminds us. What exactly we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Where exactly we are. Where exactly we are. <laughs> and how we're living these days. <laughs> the, um, uh, why don't you tell me about, and I don't know the story. Sure. The weirdest pizza delivery you ever had? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, how the fuck did you find out about that? I do research before uh, these things, research. you know? All yeah. right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, so we were playing in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. I think it was actually on that tour with Bomb the Music Industry, which, disclaimer, that tour was just like the wildest ride of five weeks of my life. I just believe that. Hanging hard and having so much fun and just being so very stoned and, and <sighs> pretty drunk for a lot of it. But there was so many fun things that happened on that tour, and we played... I want to say we played Indianapolis the night before and ran into our friend Nick Selm. Uh, Nick Selm ran... Hey, uh, hey, that was sick. That was two, uh, two souped-up smart cars <laughs> is what it looked like. I think that's what it was. I don't you're not facing that direction. They both went under a bus now. Yeah, we can't see them anymore. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we played Indianapolis the night before, and our friend Nick Selm, who ran a house called the Halloween House, was just kind of a very big prankster in general yeah not to rip off on tangent again but we Mm -hmm. both played uh, indianapolis together on this tour and that was within 10 days or sorry 10 years yeah of the time that we played at halloween house together yep which was i'm sure a wild night yeah but um but yeah so he would always tell us about these like elaborate pranks that he would pull like there was a a prank that he pulled where Mm -hmm. he was sitting in the bushes across the street from his friend's house and they just kept pranking like subs to their door and they were just watching it the entire time and drinking in the bushes and then apparently he just passed out in the bushes wow uh neighbor's house 
fast forward the next day, we're in Cincinnati, Ohio. We're playing a place called Baba's, I believe. And uh, I'm standing outside. I am very, uh, very high because we went to our friend Jerry and Evan's place beforehand, and I did my first gravity bong. Ah, did you, was it like a cut-up milk container or it something? Was, or yeah, like it was a cut-up uh, two-liter two and then yeah. just like a large bucket. Yeah, and if you don't I, know what that is, you should just look it up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Do do a little research; yeah. you'll understand. You try can make it out one of your house. Yeah. Try it out of your house. Throw up don't, on yourself. Be higher than you've ever been. Yeah, don't plan on going anywhere yeah, for the rest of the evening. Clear your schedule. So yeah, that was my first mistake. I I did this giant gravity bong, and was just very ripped up. And <laughs> I'm standing out in the parking lot, and just kind of out of my mind. And I get a phone call. And it's from a Cincinnati area code. And I was like, oh, maybe it's like Jerry or Evan or one of our other friends. And I pick up the phone and they're like, hey, like we're here with your, your delivery. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we have, we have your pizzas. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And in my head, I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, did I order pizza like after hitting this gravity bong and I've yeah. just completely spaced and went to another planet? Or? I would like to think that's not just because you were so stoned, but you're that kind of like loving person that you would immediately think, well, surely I must have ordered pizza. Yeah, totally. <laughs> there, there was a large amount of like debate going on in my head where I was like, did I actually order this? Well, maybe I ordered this fucking pizza. I, I don't know. And uh, I, I come to and I'm like, no, I didn't order pizza. And so I just I just go, I'm sorry. I did not order any pizzas. And they're like, you didn't order any pizzas to this address? And I was like, no. They hung up the phone. That was the end of it. So I'm thinking about it. I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like, how (laughs) weird is that? I don't understand what the hell is happening. And I get a text hours later that said, did you enjoy your no cheese, extra sauce, anchovy, and mushroom pizza? And I didn't know whose number it was because I didn't have Nick's number at the time. And I was just like, who the hell is this? And he's like, gotcha. It's Nick. <laughs> and that was that. And that God was the pizza it. prank. But it like That's perfect timing loop. being really that, that high. I was just like, yeah. you pranked me across state lines. Yeah, how, that's, that's, that's impressive. That's fucking nuts. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. I do have to say I empathize with the, with the pizza delivery guy. Absolutely. Uh, I, yeah. had that, I don't know about you. I had that job for quite a while. Totally. And uh, people would do shit like that, and I would just want to smash their face into the other side of their head. For sure. I think, like, you know, at 20, what was I, 20? That was eight years ago. So yeah, I was you 24. You're not Nick capable was probably around that, that same kinda. age. Yeah. You're like, ah, who gives a shit? You know, right. like, and then you realize, like, the food waste that goes yeah, into right. it. <laughs> food and, waste. And, like, just wasting this person's time yeah. who's not The guy's got money. other orders in his car that are cold. Yeah, for sure. He's, he like, works maybe for getting super, tipped four yeah. bucks a stop or something. If, if he works lucky. for a really scummy boss, the boss is going to try to pin it on them somehow. Yeah, you know? exactly. In retrospect, you're like, ooh, goddamn. Like, oh, but at the man. time, you're like, well, that was impressive. Well yeah, done. That's, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that. You've, uh, I always try to talk to people about uh, some things that they're really passionate about, and yeah. you are extremely passionate about basketball. I do. I love basketball. And I a love lot. that about you. You're stoked yeah. on it. One thing, if, in case you guys don't know, the sidekicks are very good, very good at basketball collectively. So undefeated. Don't, yeah, don't, I'm sure you are undefeated. We've never been beaten by a band. That's incredible. Don't bet any money on it. Don't. I would never. No. Yeah, you guys are phenomenal. We're supposed to go best of seven series with Tiger's job, but we only ended up playing one game. You're tall. Yeah, they're tall. They're good, too. Yeah. It was just uh, we realized, like, two people got minorly injured during the game, and it was like, cool, I think we're both, like, really going hard at this. We still have five more weeks of tour <laughs> left. Maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. I don't know, man. That sounds like Tiger's job might have. Uh, did, they, did they instigate the idea that they shouldn't? Were they the people who brought up that they should end the game? Uh, well, the game ended in, ah, okay. in its own fashion, but we were supposed to we were supposed, supposed to, to at least more have yeah, more okay. games. Oh, yeah. And it, it got it got brought up. I won't specify. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, what that band, one. We'll you know. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah you guys are, are really good collectively, and I know that you guys really love it. And I always try to figure out some some new friends that I've been hanging out with. Isn't mm-hmm. that exciting? Uh, love basketball. They love Absolutely. it so much, and I've watched it with them, and I try to follow it. And I can see where some of it's good, especially the last, what, four minutes of the game? Maybe not the four minutes on the clock, but, like, the last four or five minutes of the game. Oh, yeah. Anything could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they totally, any type of, like, uh, 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 score change, like, anything yep. goes. I respect that part of the sport. I think it's really cool. Totally. I 
I love the pace of it. I love the like strategy that goes into it and yeah. just kind of all of the moving parts. Like you're five separate players that all have different skills, but you're working as one team to just to win the game. To yeah. like to destroy the other team as much as humanly possible. <laughs> um I just think it's a beautiful game, man. It like it truly is not a one player sport and it is dominate like the NBA is clearly dominated by superstars. So you yeah. have your superstars and you have the rest of your role players but it's kind of like being in a band where everybody has their role yeah it's like you know the front person may have the most recognition but as a collective group you're all working together and i feel like that's kind of what basketball is as well yeah and it's it's just a neat sport like i grew up playing it oh nice oh yeah what uh, position did you play i played power forward center because i was always really tall i'm only six foot one sure so I stopped growing, but you were six foot one when you were eight. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the time I was, by the time I was out of diapers, I was six one. Um, yeah. No, but I kind of like I played power forward center, so I was always like kind of like a bigger kid and taller. Yeah. And so they're like, "All right, we're gonna put you here," and I was like, "All right, so fair like, enough." So I was playing down low for the yeah. most part, but I was also able to shoot, so I had no issues taking shots or whatever. That's but, awesome. Uh, you know. It, I, I definitely at one point was like, I'm going to be a basketball player, like when I was a kid. That's it, really and cool. And that was quickly brought back down to earth, like, I don't know, like seventh or eighth grade, where I'm like, I'm not growing anymore. And then I played in high school for a year, and it was very clear at that point. I was like, <laughs> I love playing basketball, but I'm not going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to play anymore. drums instead. Kind yeah, of situation. yeah. That, it's exactly what happened. I started playing in the band with Steve when we started Sidekicks. Yeah. And it was just like, I don't really like organized like high school sports that much. I'm gonna quit this. Yeah. But I still try to play. I try to play two or three times a week uh, at home. I haven't the last few months, but sure. But uh, I'm gonna get back on. Yeah, watching guys cool. play is phenomenal. One parallel that I always uh, kind of notice that exists between, let's say, people playing in bands and sports is that when you want to play in a band and, and tour like we do and stuff, you have to do kind of one thing very well over mm-hmm. and over and over and over again a despite the fact that a lot of maybe your family or uh society around you doesn't want you to do it mm-hmm. so like uh i mean sports gets rewarded for sure but how many kids are 15 are like i'm gonna be a professional baseball player and their parents are like oh yeah that's an attainable goal yeah yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of have to i think be so passionate about it that you're gonna sacrifice a lot of your um romantic and familial relationships and a lot of like other parts of your life to be able to make it happen yeah absolutely cool. that analogy you brought before about the uh, fact that it's a team sport is super interesting as well yeah I think especially because you're a big ca- uh, Cleveland uh, Caval- Cavaliers fan yeah right? and absolutely. they had um, uh, LeBron James on their team yep and he's arguably one of the people that is a superstar that could kind of like uh, they say he's better than Michael like the best player that's ever played yeah totally yeah, yeah he's like in that conversation of like being the best player like in the world or best player of all time and it's like a very big debate yeah totally uh i mean to me i do feel like he's better than jordan i feel like he was a more complete player than jordan he might not have all enough rings to necessarily prove it yeah but i mean also like just the whole story behind it is great he's like a local kid like 30 miles outside of cleveland just like turned into this high school phenomenon and then just has dominated. Like, the expectations for him coming into the NBA were so unbelievably high. The fact that he has ex- essentially exceeded those expectations is mind-blowing because I feel like there's so many people, and at that time you could come out of uh, high school and go straight to the pros, yeah. that would come straight out of high school and have a lot of hype around them, and then they wouldn't be able to do anything wow. in the pros. And he's just a freak. Yeah, he's dude, a it's freak, so wild. And he seems like a like a pretty fucking cool, like corny, goofy dude. Like he, I don't know. It was great. Like Steve and I watched the finals in 2016 when the Cavs came back and won the championship yeah. at a bar. And it, uh, in Cleveland, we were in or Columbus it, at in the time, Ohio, but I mean, it was like, like a Cleveland like, uh, centric bar. Cool. Yeah. And so we were watching it there. And now, Columbus doesn't have an NBA. Do they have an no. NBA team? Okay. Yeah, they have an NHL team, but nothing else. Okay, cool, cool. Um, but yeah, like a backstory. Like Steve and I grew up in Cleveland, so it's just 
Yeah, that's yeah, huge just, for you guys. It's that's just so in fucking it. cool. Yeah, and Cleveland kind of just got shit on for a long time. Still does. It still does well, to the, this day. For football, I know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so like watching that there was like pretty surreal. And then they won and I just like cried. I was like, cool, this is great. I've yeah. never felt like so heavily invested. Like I've always loved sports and I've loved basketball, but I've never so felt so heavily invested like in a team that's so awesome in my I'm so entire happy for you life. With that. but it was it was it was a lot of fun i cried yeah. the day lebron came back <laughs> you know i cried at toy story 4 at the drive-in oh, this like a couple months ago you incredible. know incredible there's just those moments <laughs> that touch us so deeply yeah absolutely my, yeah and i, lo- I love that uh, that singular exceptionalism kind of thing that could exist in sports like uh with that guy is just so tight like you said tied to the area and he's like mm-hmm. one of the best players ever it's kind of like you look at somebody who can um, play guitar and, and, and instruments like Prince was able to or sing like Freddie Mercury Mariah Carey those like exceptional yep. people exist in it and it's just you wonder if they're born with us and something and they just and the combination of just working so hard at it and yeah, yeah it becomes larger than life and and a cool example for us. I can't for imagine sure. what it was like for you guys with Cleveland. I can maybe partially relate though after the Eagles had won the Super Bowl Absolutely. in Philadelphia where the the conscious, the shift in the consciousness of people in the city was palpable. You yeah, could, you could feel how much kinder everyone was to each other. I wonder if there's some nerd at, no offense to like, like you, Penn or some shit that could like look at a certain type of crime statistics and see if they went down. You know, totally. like ones that are motivated by. Like 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 uh, what road rage or something like that. Absolutely, totally just stopped. Yeah, I was kind of wondering like going into like that game seven, like the decisive game that ended up being like the Cavs winning for a championship. It was it was interesting because in my mind I was like, if Cleveland wins a championship because they haven't won a championship in anything in fifty two years at that point, uh, would the city just burn to the fucking ground? Because. <laughs> In my growing up and knowing how Browns fans are, they're just, like, some of the most surly, like, just un, like, unpleasant people you can be so what's it, the de- <laughs> So the Browns lose all the time, right? Yeah, they suck. They're so terrible. they basically, are those people just kind of, like, grab that identity of, like, we're the shitty band, fuck you. Yeah. They're, I'm sorry, we're the shitty fans, like, our team sucks, fuck you. Yeah, totally. And they're... It, like they're hopeful at the beginning of the season. Everyone's like, "Hey, this might be the year." Yeah. And then like two games in, you're like, "You know, this isn't going to be the year. You're just bad." Yeah. Although this <laughs> this year might be, it could actually. This wow, this is very Cleveland to me. This could actually be the year that they're going to be very good. I'm going to use that as like the clip on Instagram. <laughs> I'll be saying that. <laughs> and guaranteed everyone in the city of Cleveland will be like, shut the just fuck up. Just rolling their eyes out because you jinxed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to be like, shut I up. I will now say that, uh, yeah, I'm going to try to get this out as quickly as possible, but we were just watching a, a highlight reel in the bar and someone was explaining to me, it was a guy returning a punt on the Browns that okay. apparently, I could get this wrong, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Sure. Fucking, you know, whatever, be damned. He, like, lied his way onto the practice team or something and then kind of made it up into the Browns and he caught the punt return and ran it all the way over a touchdown and everybody's all excited about it. That's awesome. It's like the garbage-picking, field-goal-kicking thing or whatever. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I heard he was, like, sleeping outdoors or, or something of that sort. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it sucks, you know, that he's sleeping outdoors. Sure, but it's yeah. Like, everybody loves a story like that. Yeah, totally. If Hell you're yeah. driven enough to, like, try to like get to a place you want to be and you're going to sleep outdoors to do it then yeah. so be it <laughs> coming up did you guys catch or did you personally or or at least witness see a lot of like uh come up in punk rock it's like you versus the world in every aspect so sports are usually used as a lightning rod for kind of adolescent rebellious thought you know you're like fuck sports i don't want anything right. to do with it if you like sports it's stupid kind of right. make fun of it and shit uh and i kind of definitely had some of that when i was younger you look at it as like the the example of institutional nepotism, shittiness. Yeah, like yeah. You weren't big enough, so like, it's like the masculinity you couldn't be part of, that right. kind of shit. Um, and, yeah, I saw that a lot, and I kind of feel like like a lot of things with coming up in punk rock, it shot me in the foot because I didn't get to experience a lot of like, really cool parts of sports. Sure, yeah. You know? I, I feel like that was kind of me in high school, essentially. So, like, I, I started I, listening to, like, The Clash and, like, the Ramones and Rancid and stuff when I was probably 11. Like, my uncle Dang, gave me a couple. Sick. My uncle gave me a couple uh, Clash records. He gave me, like, an Offspring record uh, and just kind of, like, introduced me to some cool music. And from there, I was kind of, like, stuck in this weird middle ground of, like, 
all right, I really like sports. I play sports. Mm-hmm. And I started, like, buying band shirts, like Nirvana. And yeah. Ramon shirts, and then I started getting like stretch jeans, and I got a fucking bullet belt. <laughs> I had one of those goddamn like uh, like one of the. You know, I got real street punk for a while there. Nice, um, oh yeah. Had like a cockering belt. So sick. <laughs> That's and, yeah, love it. It was re- it was real punk. Had my own leather jacket that I put a bunch of studs on and shit. But then I was going to like basketball practice in that. Uh, that's not gonna, <laughs> it's not going to go over well with everybody. Yeah, totally. I definitely got like some flack for it from some of the other kids that were like, "You're a fucking freak," or like would call me Butterbean and shit. Like and, the boxer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Because at the time, like, like in seventh punk? grade, no, nah. I, I just had like a sh- like uh, more like of a, a buzzed like, head uh, when okay, I was like okay. in seventh grade, and I started growing my hair out, and. uh yeah, it was like this. Mainly this kid Steve, not Fuck not Steve. the other Steve. Fuck the but, young version of Steve. Yeah, what what the hell, Steve? Yeah, he's probably could be a nice guy now. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's a nice guy now. Maybe. I hope he's doing all right. Yeah, hope he's fucking doing. Yeah, but he was a jerk back in the day. Man, so much gatekeeping, so much. Everybody's so uncomfortable with themselves. They have to put all the rules on everybody else. Yeah, so lame. And then I, yeah, I got to that point in high school though where I was just like. I don't want to do this anymore. Like I played, ba- I played baseball. I played basketball. Steven, Steve from our band and and I played golf in sophomore year of high school. That's sick. And we would just like <laughs> run run into the woods and like smoke a cigarette real quick before we go play our match. So funny. Um, but yeah, I just got kind of sick of it and was like, my focus is going to be this band, and I like playing music. Yeah. And yeah, punk rock kind of like fuck this shit. And so yeah. I lost touch with sports for a bit. And then somewhere along the line, I was like, "I like sports. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who cares? Dude, it's great the way they're they're like a, a meme almost of like w- what? Cause I think that man, it's just trippy ways to think about it and stupid ways to think about it. Like people have always liked, at least in my romantic version of history, uh, gladiatorial kind of shit. Yeah, or the ideas of the what do they call them? The heroes or whatever. Like it's a smaller tribe meets up with another tribe and they're like shit." We could have a war. Or we can get our biggest guys to fight it out, yeah. and then whoever wins will just will concede to the other side. For like sure. David and Goliath. That was what that was, right? Totally. So I think that that kind of over all of these years as we developed, like you know, uh, as to, to become humans, that that's ingrained in us. So I think that we're always attracted to that kind of like competition and that kind of shit. Yeah, absolutely. And seeing it on this massive scale and how popular it is is just so fascinating. Yeah, and absolutely. So many of the vehicles, like, dude, we have our government investigate sports for like drug use. Yeah, you think that's fucking crazy? Yeah, it's insane. It's it's like so silly at the end of the day, and just like, but it's such a huge institution. Yeah. And like you were kind of bringing up earlier, it was like. And, and a part that I still struggle to get past is just, like, especially with football, it's just kind of, like, that, like, macho masculinity yeah, aspect yeah. of it. And it's, like, it is what it is, sure. but it's just, I I don't know. that That's the part that's, like, hard for me. Yeah. That's why I'm, like, I feel like I'm not, I have, like, a competitive side, but... I also, at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't know. I'm just having fun. No, totally. <laughs> That's get I done, like the idea so, like, of I'm not like, beating myself up about it and yeah. like sad about it or whatever. Or these people that like get like really worked up at bars, then their whole night is ruined if a team loses. Oh just, my like, god, Jesus Christ! Or maybe I'll never whole forget year. this fucking guy. Beth Ann and I were at a bar by my mom's house in Oliphant, PA, mm-hmm. called Thirst Tees. So T H I R S T. And then space, and then the letter capital T yes. yes. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Everybody, everybody there is super cool. I had a great time. But there was a guy with a Yankees hat on, and it was a game that was maybe like three or four years ago that went into like the fifteenth inning or something. Right. It was like two a.m. and they were still going on. And this guy was so emotionally involved in this regular ass baseball season game that there's no way that. That wasn't just serving as some kind of outlet for all the frustrations of his life. Yeah, absolutely. He's, like, banging the bar and shit. It's oh like, Oh, my God. God. Isn't there, like, 180 baseball games we can all fucking worked up about? Yeah, totally. It's, like, Tuesday in May, like two, and he's, yeah. like, freaking out. He's there with his girlfriend or his wife or whatever, and she's just, like, covering half of her face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that shit. Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, my brother loves sports so much, and he is always, like, filling me in on shit, which is, which is great. Yeah. But uh, he got me, and some, some of our friends got me into watching the ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries. Oh, yeah. Those are amazing. And if anybody listening has, has never watched any of those, they were on Netflix. I don't know if they still are. That shit is fucking awesome. Yeah. They take a, like, 
big sports event that is applied to something much larger uh, culturally. Yep. And it's so awesome. There's yeah. a couple of them. There's one on the Duke lacrosse one was super powerful. Yeah. That was fucking wild. The, uh, there's one that is about the Oakland A's, I think, mm-hmm. and the earthquake. Yeah, or absolutely. Or maybe it was the San Francisco Giants. I can't no, remember. it was Oakland it was, A's. It was Oakland A's. Yeah, when they were in the World Series, I yeah, believe. Yeah, it was super powerful. Yep. There's one about OJ and then all the things that were going on in the sports world around, like, the OJ Simpson chase. Yeah. That was really good. I remember there, there was an NBA, I don't know if it was a finals game or if it was a playoff game, but they were interrupting the playoff game to, like, cover the OJ <laughs> chase. <laughs> And it was, like, really surreal, like, how just much of a phenomenon that was. Yeah, and, and like, all the other broader implications, whether or not they were, like, stoked by the media or they really were true and, like, that kind of shit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love all of those documentaries. Man, they're, they're I, just done so well. There's not a single one that I've seen where I was like, I didn't like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I come heard- out of every one of them just being like, damn, that yeah. was awesome. There's a super interesting one that, like, touched on the kind of, like, cultural differences between i think some like college uh uh black athletes would celebrate and shit there's like a miami one maybe okay yeah as yeah. compared to like the old guard of like the old white way of celebrating and whether or not it was like accepting of the two things it was basically yeah. just showing how they clashed and it was like well you got these kids playing you know you, you don't mind them playing football for you it's like it was super. Yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I definitely one, just didn't do it justice in my mumbling description of it. But sure. I, I would say take a take a watch. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. That one and like the Fab Five, which was uh, about the starting five players on the Michigan Wolverines yeah. basketball team, and oh, it was yeah. definitely like that as well because they were kind of like to that point, basketball players were always wearing like short shorts yeah. and like you know white socks and just looked and I mean predominantly like there was it was still just very much like kind of like a just an uptight sport like most of the sports were yeah, and so yeah. they came in like and really implemented and shit. yeah and they like implemented like more of like a hip hop culture to it and it was really sick just like longer shorts black socks like had yeah. an attitude and like a swagger about them that was like that i feel like is a really cool part of basketball yeah. as well oh totally and it's funny for us to think that cuz that seems like such a small like Oh, so they changed their clothes? Like, is that a big deal? But, yeah. You know? But at the time, it was just like, you know, fucking idiots just being like, oh, these people are thugs and yeah. shit like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, no, it's just, they're just changing the game, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got distracted for a second right now. I just want to let you know, you're facing me here on this corner. Yeah. But if you take a look over Caddy Corner to the McDonald's, it seems that there's a uh, one, two, three, four, five, a group of about 11 people and families holding placards that say, where will you spend eternity? Yep. And uh, some other, looks like Helvetica-style, Jesus-saved-sinners kind of things going on. So we'll see if they, they start setting up and get vocal. That'll be a nice addition to Yeah, the, uh, I'm hoping so. I'm going to take a selfie the with them right now. Nice. Uh, right on the, yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh-huh. there you go. Looks great. Wow. Yeah. Maybe they're protesting McDonald's. They could. I mean, what, could you imagine? Where will you spend eternity? Where will you spend in, eternity? McDonald's? in McDonald's? <laughs> I would rather damn. you be a Burger King. Yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> rolled out the Impossible Burger. I heard. How progressive. Yeah, you know? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. So stoked. <laughs> oh, so uh, I got to ask you now about um, your uh, greatest prank phone call. Oh. Or weirdest prank phone call? You are uh, a man of the good prank phone call, I must say. I can I can do them. I haven't done them in yeah. a while, but I don't know if I even know what you're referring ah, to. Ah, okay. That that might be a shot and a miss right there. Yeah, That's okay. I don't, I don't Somebody know. asked me to ask you, or told me to ask you about it, and I said, elaborate, and they said, just ask them. Well, no. So... Well, shit. I'm gonna have to figure. I'm gonna have to get to the bottom bit. of that one. I yeah. think I might have forgot about that. One. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. What's what's coming up for sidekicks? Uh, so we get home from this tour that we're on together right now, which ends in a couple days. Yes, yeah, it's the second um, last show. Are you guys playing more shows after the Baltimore one? Y- yeah. Well, no. So we go home straight from Baltimore, cool. and then we go home for ten days. Uh, kind of just chill out, hang out. Cool. And then we leave for a month with a band called Oso Oso. Yeah. Um, and then uh, another band called Future Teens. Cool. So that'll be sweet. Full U.S. Oso Oso is putting a record out. Uh, and I believe Future Teens also has a record coming out. So it'll be kind of like the end of our cycle for Happiness Hours. Uh, we have a single coming out in a couple weeks as well. 
that we've been playing on this tour for the most part, which I'm excited about. Great tune, man. I'm loving it. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell Appreciate yeah. it. Um, and then after that, we get home in like late September, and then we just start writing the new record. We've already somewhat started. Have like three songs that are kind of like skeletony. Nice. Um, and and then hopefully finish that up by like late winter. Yeah. And record. I'm extremely excited to hear what you guys have coming. Every time you put out a record, it's like goddamn Christmas. Thanks, it's just so good, and it's getting oh, yeah. uh, uh, better and better each time. Thanks. Uh, what's it like to record with Phil Eck? It was awesome. It was that's awesome. It was really cool. It was uh, the first person we had on our list that we wanted to make the record with. So that in and itself is always a wonderful thing because I don't yeah. know, like at least for us when we are trying to figure out who to record with. Right now we're doing a really good thing with Will Yip and I. Right for the foreseeable future, I see us recording with him. Yeah. But when we were trying to figure out in the past, we come up with a list of producers. A lot of the ones that you'd want to like legendary ones that mm-hmm. you're like, hey, no, I would love to record with this person. And then they come back and they're like, yeah, well, that will be. Hundred and fifty thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, and you're totally. like, Well, no it won't. We won't be recording there. For <laughs> sure. Kinda, uh, or the other ones. But to be able to just get the first one on your list and nail it, that's that's cool. That was really cool. It, and like Brett from Epitaph was like so receptive to it. He was like, Yeah, I think that would be perfect. So we reached out to Phil and Phil was like, Yeah, I'm interested in doing it and we made it work, which was awesome. And so we got to spend six weeks in Seattle doing that when we recorded runners. And it was our first time that we had ever worked with like an actual producer of any sort. Yeah. Um, and so it was definitely like it was first time recording to a click. Like it was it was a lot of firsts. Okay, at that cool. Point. So that's like a, a whole bunch of knockout at once. Yeah, yeah, totally. So what do you mean by recording to a click? You're saying you you take a there's like a preset metronome in your headphones and you record exactly to it. Yep. Build the drums. Build the rest of the. The rest, oh, the of, the rest of the record. Here come the cops. Here come so the I'm gonna cops. Have to, I'm gonna have to go. They're uh, driving smart cars too. I don't know. Yeah, what the, everything is miniature in this town. Yeah, it's strange. What is except for the weapons? Right now? Yeah, if, if you guys can't see, there's a uh, ambulance coming by. We've got people on lime scooters and bird scooters. <laughs> Christian protesters. Somebody F-16s. Was, somebody was pulled up on the curb. Somebody's pulled up. Yeah. pure fucking madness. There's out blood here. everywhere somehow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was like a, a, a lot of firsts for us, and like we like really rehearsed quite a bit before we went in the studio. And um, he was so much fun to work with. Like awesome. he, he worked us hard. Like there were long days. I remember the first day recording drums. Uh, we we started out with Deer, and I was like, all right, this will be a good song to start with because it's like really straightforward the whole time. Like it would be a good way to like kind of get the jitters out. Yeah. And I just remember like doing That's what the, you always think. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> and I just remember like four or five takes in. It took a long time to like kind of get set up like it always does, you know, sure. getting tones, doing all that. He's very meticulous. Yeah. Uh, which is super cool because typically yeah. it was like get everything set, make sure tones are cool, and then just rip it. Yeah. I feel and, like a lot of times that's a large part of a producer's job is just to make sure everyone's on track in, in yeah. that meticulousness and being like, no, all of these tones are going to be the same for each song. and This is how we're going to get them, and they're going to be perfect. Yep. We're not going to fix it later. We're yeah. going to fix it as we do it, that kind of shit. Exactly. Yeah. It was very, very methodical, and it, but, like, very organic. Like, he... He had a very good ear for stuff. Yeah. And I just remember recording Deer and doing, like, the first four or five takes. And then him just being like, you know, I think we should come back to it tomorrow. Like, it it just, it's not feeling right. And I remember just going back uh, to the house that we were staying at, which is actually Toby's house at the time. No shit. uh, When he was still living out there before he was even in the band. And uh, just being like holy fuck, we're not going to get done with this record. Like, <laughs> I suck. I, I This is not going to be good. This is going to be really bad. And just, like, kind of, like, beating myself up a little bit, which I feel like I kind of do anyways. It's, like, kind of just my process of it's going all right, and then I just get caught in this thing, and I'm like, no, I'm never going to get there. And yeah. then take a break. And then the next day we came back, and I think ripped out, like, three songs. And that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, Oh shit! All right, cool. Yeah, and then he I'm was gonna just, say I've had a tough as a singer before, where your voice goes, or you sure. can't. There may be a note that you know you need to hit, or that you just told yourself you're going to hit, and it's become very difficult. You can't get the phrasing right. Yeah, but I don't think anybody's got it worse than drummers in a lot of respects. You guys got to go in there. It's extremely physical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't necessarily just punch a snare hit when yeah. there's four other drums reverberating in the background when you hit it. So it's like I've totally. just watched. I've watched Joe have the most uh, mentally arduous. 
battles I've ever witnessed someone have while yep. sitting in front of a drum set in the recording studio. For sure. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of times where I get to that verge where I'm just, like, getting, like, angry at myself yeah. to, to where I just, like, stand up. And I just have to walk out and just, like, chill out for a second. And yeah, for sure. Like go puff a smoke yeah. or have, have like, a little time to myself to just be, like, get through the process of, like, you stink, but you're going to be better in 20 minutes. <laughs> 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 and you're going to get this. It's going to be fine. Hell, yeah. And, uh, you're going to get it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that first time was just, like, it was our first record for Epitaph. It was, yeah. like, our first time working with a big producer. And it was, yeah, like. Yeah, big name. Yeah, it was just, like, didn't you know what you're getting into until you're in it and then you're like oh shit this is like a whole nother level but yeah. i feel like it taught us all it taught us all so much just about musicianship and like really just like hunkering down and wanting to like shore up parts that maybe we hadn't thought through enough yeah and um and just adding little elements like yeah. little elements here and there that's what i was going to ask about how he worked with you guys uh, in the capacities of producers so mm-hmm. did you bring a lot of times when people go and record, you take your demos right. and then you just do them again on nicer equipment yep. to a click track. Totally. Uh, but I think that oftentimes when you work with a producer, someone like like Cam, they'll you do a little bit of work on the actual songs and yeah, move things around. Totally. Yeah, we sent him demos and then uh, we got there and he was like, "I feel like a lot of these songs are really like solid the way they are." And then there were certain things that we kind of just changed in the studio. He's like, "Hey, add a crash here. Like, why don't we try like." just like a marching band like kick like bass drum on something hell like, yeah right, the cool. flavor the sprinkles yeah, totally and i feel like he he's somebody that's like really good at just the small things yeah and which john and yellow who recorded the uh happiness hours yeah is very good at that too like he sent us back notes and was like hey why don't you try this and this and then so we awesome would try producer. it yeah. and yeah we would try it and then sometimes it worked sometimes we weren't feeling it that much and i think that's what that's what they're there for is like yep. to guide you in that like what may have never occurred to you it's so it's so small or so easy or just a minor restructuring or something yeah and you're like oh crap that makes sense yeah like john suggested that hard stop and twins twist right before the second verse oh no shit and we're like oh yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, exactly. Cool. We remember doing that the whole time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's funny to see how producers are portrayed in movies, like holding guns to people's heads yeah. or like well, Phil being Spectre outraged. Did do that. Yeah, he did do that. You're right. He did do that, didn't he? <laughs> to the Ramones, I'm yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then for us, the reality has been uh, even with some of the like hyper uh, eccentric producers, it's more like. No, you kind of just sit around this old piece of equipment from the 60s and do the same thing for 11 hours. Yeah, absolutely. To the same 20 seconds of something. Yeah. Totally. Which I guess in itself, is a, is a, in its own right, is a pretty insane thing to do. Right. When you look at it that way. Oh, um, like, just, I don't know, like, all the records that Phil has done and, and John has done as well, and just seeing how much time they've spent beside, like behind a board yeah. and just the... It, I like really admire it because I feel like my ears get fatigued, like, and I start just kind of zoning out here yeah. or there. But like, they're just like on point, man, and they just they have an ear and they have like a, such a calm about them, and yeah, and also both of them were so funny and that's, so much fun to work. That's with. the the, po- the personal part, like yeah. the uh, that is something that especially with Will Yip for us is such a massive part about being a producer is that you have to be able to. Not necessarily massage, but in some cases massage yeah. and work people as a group in a way to get them to be more productive than they've ever been in their entire lives yep. uh, and make something beautiful. And you don't really know them. Like, you don't hang out with the guy for years before you meet him. You're like, you yeah. have to be able to walk in a room, guys, to take a look at everybody and be like, all right, I think this person will respond this way, this way. I hope they think this joke's funny. Yeah. And then kind of get you to do it. And it's, uh, I think, a very unique unique ability it really is because i i feel like if that if that was my career path like i i'm a very social person but i feel like if if you put me in that setting it would be very hard for me to like continually be upbeat and like being a storyteller and oh, being yeah. like just yeah kind of like you're as you're saying like reading the room and reading each personality like i feel like it would just be my mind would be blown. No, I think yeah. at the end of the day, I would just be exhausted and never want to talk to sure. another person and be able ever to, again. Like, maintain that positivity. Yeah, There's times I, I have recorded bands a couple of times and helped produce a couple of uh, EPs and shit like that. Mm-hmm. 
and I've recorded them with one of my best friends, Andy Clark. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And there's been times for sure where at the end of this, the day, somebody will be recording a guitar or something, and, mm-hmm. and I guess the point where I'm like, no, motherfucker, you're bending the string. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not yeah. a tuning problem. <laughs> quit quit bending the string. Quit bending the fucking string. Watch you do it. It's 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> and Andy's just there like, stop. <laughs> yeah, or Andy started it. Yeah, or Andy Andy's started Andy's like, oh, no, no, you bend the string. No, I want you to do it. Yeah, but no, usually it's better than that. But I could, I just wouldn't be able to do that for as a career. I yeah. don't think. Absolutely, no I fucking way. Really have so much fucking respect for people that do it and, yeah, and do it well, and it's it's cool. It's so crazy. I think that I just got reminded of our time together at what was the name of that city in Illinois where we played with stupid kids with oh, hammers? Oh God. What city it's, was? Oh no, that? sorry, uh, in uh, Michigan, outside. Oh, Detroit. it was. Uh, it, it was like Thirteenth Mile or something. Uh, Red, no. Red Dead Redemption. Red, <laughs> Red Dead. <laughs> Red Dad Redemption. Red Dad Redemption. Uh, fuck. Uh, Redford. Redford. Yeah, there we go. Because it's starting to drizzle on us here, but yeah. I don't know how we're gonna play it. But we're sitting down here, and again, two, uh, you know, F whatever just flew by. Maybe there was the F thirty five that wasted all that money. Mm. And oh, oh, now it's getting crazy. But yeah, they just flew by the head, and I'm just looking at all these people around here, reminding the time that we played together with the Cobra Skulls. Yep. It was nine or ten years ago. Yep. With stupid kids with hammers, and the show devolved into just pure anarchy. Pure anarchy. It, it was, was truly a, a punk show at its finest, uh, right yeah. there. The, yeah. There was a guy in overalls with nothing else but the overalls yep. in Detroit. So yep. this isn't like you know the middle of nowhere or the south. Self-proclaimed and juggalo. Self-proclaimed juggalo was trying to sell everybody drugs, and when everybody said no, he became very, very upset. Very aggressive. Yeah. Uh, to where a skinhead who was at the show then came up from behind him and put him in a sleeper hold <laughs> and knocked him out cold. And meanwhile, there's a passed-out juggalo on the ground. Juggalo on the ground. Uh, a couple got into a violent altercation. Where a violent they were altercation. Striking each other in the in the head. Yeah, in their body. car. In their car. The juggalo then wakes up to a crowd of people surrounding him, and he gets up and then starts uh, shoving everyone, asking who choked him out, uh, <laughs> and then also started to threaten that he had a gun. Yeah. To where the situation became more dire. To where we were like, all right, we're gonna like need to get out of here yeah. a lot quicker than we thought. Josh, our bass player at the time, was really drunk and was just laughing at the whole thing. And yeah. I kind of just shoved him in the van. I was like, Josh, get in the fucking van. <laughs> he went over to your van, and Joe was sitting, like, on the first bench. And he would, he just, like, went up to me. He goes, are you the one who choked me out? And Joe was like, no! And just, like, jumped in the van. Yeah. And it we was just a drunk. fucking mess. Yeah, everyone was drunk. There we were going to stay with, with the hammers. <laughs> yeah, with the bands. St- stupid kids with hammers. Stupid kids with hammers. Uh, yeah. Still one of the best band names I think I've ever heard. We were going to stay with the promoter that night, but we seemed like he was like really sketch. Yeah, we just added up everything else, and we were like, this is not going to end well for us. Yeah. So, so we all just went to a hotel. Like The promoter's definitely going to take us to his house, and his roommates aren't going to know that he's bringing nine grown men yeah. there. It's and just going to be bad news yeah, all bad around. Bad news all around. The couple's going to show up with the police, and they're all, <laughs> yeah. everyone's going to go to jail. Stupid kids with hammers is going to play a one a.m. Yeah. set in the basement. The stupid kid, yeah, that kid. Stupid kid with a gun. <laughs> stupid come. kid with a gun is going to keep trying to <laughs> sell fucking shoot us all. Yeah, good god. That but I look back mess. on that, and that was like also one of my like most fond, insane tour memories of yeah. just being like. What the fuck is happening right now? Yeah, there was a lot of those back in the day. Yeah. We would show up to a venue and be like, okay, well, here we are. Yeah, and Think, we didn't uh, go to Detroit for a long time because of that. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> we didn't go back for, like, no. years. This was uh, the part where we can talk about how we're old men and toured before smartphones, and you'd print out MapQuest directions. That's true. Our first yeah. couple tours were fucking straight-up MapQuest directions. you get one of those big maps that had, like, the break. It had each state in it, but then on the opposite page would be, like, a breakdown of the major cities of the state. Yeah. You know? So you're like, oh, Atlanta. Here's, like, the numbered streets that go this way. Yep. <laughs> you're yeah. looking at every grid system you possibly can. Totally. <laughs> Can't vary. And it's funny. Over the last 10 years, you originally would go to, like, what we would call apologetic street names. You mm-hmm. know, you'd go to the MLK Boulevard was always in the, the, the poor African-American section. Right. JFK Boulevard was always in the poor white section. Like, you just rolled there, and that's where the venues are always were. And now in every single one of these cities... Uh, are now the nice neighborhood with the new $500,000 condos. Yeah, you know, It's yeah. like that it was spearheaded, that whole front lines of gentrification by all these, like, punk clubs and shit. Yeah, it's been absolutely. very interesting to watch. Totally. Things have changed 
so much in like the last 11 years yeah. that we've been touring it's crazy to which think is funny because really. you think to say out loud man it's changed so much in 11 years it's like well yeah it's been 11 years <laughs> right yeah totally and then you realize i'm like oh cool i was like 18 when we started touring 19 when i started touring i'm 31 now i'm like ah oh, shit I played in this band for half of my life. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> fucking wild. Yeah, totally. That's amazing. Half of my existence. I'm like, oh, cool. Hell yeah. yeah I've done this long term. This has been a long term endeavor. Yeah, it has. Do you ever get, I watch, uh, we play with a lot of older bands, you know, mm-hmm. and I, you ever get, what do you start thinking about, I wonder, when you think about yourself in like 10 years from now? You know? Like, yeah, totally. I'm playing music in some capacity. I would oh, love for, for sure. it. I would love for it to be this band still. Yeah. I I really thoroughly just like love the grind. Yeah. And I love creating with my friends. That's beautiful. And, you know, I it's always it's always been something we've all wanted to do. Yeah. And I think at this point I couldn't imagine myself like not doing it exactly and what would you do it would be yeah, like totally it'd be really weird i've always what, thought about opening up a bar i was gonna say what are we have what are our options you can open yeah. up a bar open up a brewery yeah you could become a sales rep for something like maybe like hockey jackets mm-hmm. i feel like there's a lot of punk people that do that totally uh, liquor maybe yep. yeah yeah totally kind of Hockey jackets and liquor. Hockey jackets, liquor. <laughs> no, but, uh, no, I'm not digging on the violent gentleman people or anything. You know, that's no. what just came to my head because they're, they're pretty cool, pretty cool yeah. folks. Absolutely. And I think they're all people that played in bands. Yeah, totally. But, oh, you could be a barber. That's one. Oh, yeah, yeah barber for sure. Shout one. out to my barber, Chris. Yeah. Good guy. Played feel a lot like of you Doom bands. teach somewhere. You know? Yeah, you could definitely teach. I yeah. feel like I know a lot of teachers. Definitely. But, yeah, I've always kind of thought about it. I was like even just the thought of like I would – like tour manage or something oh yeah totally you know? just keep the i mean you have all that road experience for sure and i enjoy traveling yeah. i like being and on the road i don't know why we're really talking about what we would do if we weren't doing it because i mean we're both still gonna be yeah, doing it for here, sure here we are still stop. doing it yep. <laughs> i just uh once in a while when you get you know how you can have like an existential crisis in the in a repurposed 100%. janitor's closet that's now the green room of a venue yeah i uh yeah i don't know what i would want to do probably something ridiculous but I just, uh, there are parts of it now where you kind of, you know, like we said before about hangovers and stuff, it's a yeah. little bit more tiring. Yeah, totally. And uh, I think that we, our music, both you guys and us, have grown, but it, there is some kind of the youthful explosion of energy of, like, punk rock that brought us there in the first place. Yeah. Just kind of seems a little bit weird when you're maybe 40 or 50 and sure. rehashing it when you haven't changed. Although we did see uh, The Exploited the other day at okay. a punk festival in Montreal. Right. And it was fucking awesome. So... <laughs> Hell yeah! If that if those Scottish people can do it, then yeah, like Coxbar is still doing stuff. Yeah, and like, totally. Just so many of these bands that are still kicking. I mean, fuck even Bad Religion, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, they fucking crush it. Yeah, totally. It's That's just, awesome. I feel like once you get going, it's I don't know. It's the most powerful thing I've ever done with my life. It is, and and it's the most rewarding. It's the most frustrating at times. It's the most tiring at sometimes, but it's the most enjoyable thing that I've done. With yeah, my time for on sure, this and it's a service I think too. I did, I used to get down on it thinking it was like frivolous or purposeless because it wasn't benefiting society in some large way, and that it was self indulgent. Right, but I don't think it's self indulgent at all anymore. I started to think about how all these people like tonight they're going to come to the show and yeah. to 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 watch music because of the way that it makes them feel, and uh, they participate with the other people that are there with them in this, for lack of a better word, spiritual kind of event of. Uh, thinking about their lives and having yeah. a good time and cutting away from the the other parts of it and it just you know a lot of people need that and yeah i need it we need it so much we do it every day yeah no totally <laughs> and you're like the, the fact to like make an impact on anybody's life through like art that you've created whether it be musical or or physical art yeah. or whatever it may be like a is, dance interpretation you know? yeah totally it's it's cool man it's it's the most like humbling and beautiful thing and yeah. it's like Something I'm very grateful to to be able to do. Fuck yeah, man. And uh, then thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hell I think it's yeah. a great way to kind of wrap it up, especially since we're getting rained on. Yes. I'm bummed that the uh, the, the fundamentalist uh, preachers didn't didn't set up. But I know. It's I, mean, kinda, it's I wonder thing. where the hell they're going. Where do you think they're going? Tonight? Well, they walk towards the beach. So they're going, they're going to they're pro- they're they're protesting the ocean. Yeah, they're protesting, they're protesting the, ocean. the ocean. Man, I was so worried about the ocean last night. I'm up really afraid of open water. Okay. And Scotty and I were riding bikes around Charleston, and I stopped and, and pissed off yeah. of the boardwalk into the water. For sure. And I was like, am I stoned enough to think that there's going to be some kind of repercussion for this? And then I remembered how high <laughs> I was. And it made Poseidon angry. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I used to have that, like, 
great fear of roller coasters, and I finally have like come around the corner on oh, that. Oh hell yeah! Because they're I'm so just, fun. Oh, they're great. Yeah, I just like went out to, when I went. I uh, went out to California to go visit my partner, and uh, she was on tour, and they got free passes to go to Disneyland. And I was like, hell yeah! You know what? I'm like a little like hesitant about this, but like fuck it, like I'm just gonna do this thing. And by the end Especially of it, I was where like, you're like just starting a date kind of situation. Uh, yeah, ish. I mean, like, like we've been up. hanging out for a little while, and it, it was more more about me just like feeling like I had kind of been in a curmudgeonly spot in my life where I was like, these are things that I don't like, but why do I actually not like them? Am I actually afraid of them, or am I just like? I did this once. I didn't really enjoy my time, and now I'm just not giving it another shot. I think shot. you might have just summed up one of the fundamental best parts about, like, early 30s or turning yeah. 30. You know? No, like, totally. Where you, like, can have that type of uh, self-examination and exploration and then conquer something that used to fuck with you. Yeah, That's for sure. That's badass. Yeah, it was kind of just, like, one of these things where it was like, I'm just going to, like, do this thing. And Hell it, yeah. And it was so much fun. Negative to ride fucking roller coasters yeah, all the time. Yeah, now I'm going to... Hopefully go to Cedar Point before the year's over. Oh, dude, that's in Ohio. Yeah. So Cedar Point, growing up, I had uh, some neighbors that were really into roller coasters. They're one of those. They're some of those people. Sure, yeah. So yeah. they would go fucking everywhere, and on their list was Cedar Point because apparently at the time it had, maybe it still does, like the highest or fastest roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Where's it at? Uh, it's in Sandusky, Ohio, which is like an hour west of Cleveland, in between Cleveland and Toledo. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, Frankie's. Frankie's. Your, your favorite Frankie's place. Frankie's Inner City. Yeah, we <laughs> actually recorded a live record at Frankie's called Fucked Up at Frankie's. We played with you. Oh, yeah. But you guys were there. We were on tour with Of you. course. <laughs> <laughs> I was so stoked. I'm still waiting for Fucked Up at Frankie's to come out. Uh, what's it called? Dave and Nick listened to it the other day, and yeah. I think that uh, the boy, Greg, Joe, Eric and myself listened to it maybe once. I don't even know if they all listen to it. Sure. But it's so bad. <laughs> we got intentionally hammered because we thought it would be like funny to be that drunk. Yeah. You know, that we could be cool like the replacements or something. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so bad. We're not funny. <laughs> all the jokes are so self indulgent and stupid. <laughs> so, needless to say, this won't be making a de- yeah, debut so, anytime so soon. So, fucked up at, yeah. So, fucked up at Frankie's isn't going to come out. So, now we're playing Peabody's. Maybe we'll do <laughs> Pissed at Peabody's. There we go. That'd be good. Yeah. Every venue like that, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, we try to come up with like a an alliterated title that we would record the record at. <laughs> For but. sure, I feel like maybe fucked up at Frankie's does come out one day, but that one day is like after you all pass, <laughs> and whoever takes over the Menzingers <laughs> estate is like. <laughs> Oh, and BMW like wants a version of it for yeah. one of the commercials. Yeah, that go yeah that's, when, that's when fucked up at Frankie's comes out. By then, everything will be such a fucking meta next level joke that maybe it makes sense. <laughs> you know, like the next generation is just beyond nihilism and is just like the opposite of the leisure of BMW would be this band from 40 years ago playing yeah. fucked up at Frank's that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I can see that happening. So yeah, if you just want to write too. me into the Menzing as well, I'll take yeah, care I mean, of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could get, you could, you could just have all of the, the proceeds from that. <laughs> Perfect. If there's Sounds money, good. then you can yeah, have, if, we'll have them downloaded. I'll take here. all the Bitcoin. You if take not. all the Bitcoin. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, I love that. But yeah, man, Perfect. it was incredible talking to you. Thank Dude, you so much for doing this. This means a lot to me. Absolutely. Um, I love you guys, man. Yeah, and I'd love to have you back sometime. Most definitely. Let's do it. Fuck yeah. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. Done. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Hell yeah. You can catch them sidekicks out on tour with Oso Oso and Future Teens this August and September. And for everybody in Philadelphia, they're at the Foundry this Sunday, August 25th. I'll be there. Come say hello. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Future Friday. Thank you so much, Matt Sanders, for coming on. Bye-bye. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time. 
a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.